Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, we take stock of the stage and the screen in Barry with the start of the Barry Film Festival and Jake Epstein, whom you may remember from Degrassi, The Next Generation, Suits and More, is bringing a play to Barry, something we can all relate to. And Barry police are hoping that as the seasons change, so do our driving habits. But first, it is Library Month across Canada, the Barry Public Library, hoping its members will share the library love with their family and friends. Barry 360's Will Conkin turns some pages with library CEO Lauren Jessup. Give me a breakdown of what the Share the Library Love Contest is. Yeah, for sure. So uh, members can come into any one of our three locations. They can pick up a flyer. There's three tear-off cards on the flyer. And basically what you do is you write your information on the back of each of the cards. And then you hand those out to your friends and families and neighbor. And they bring the cards back in. And when they bring in the card, then it goes into the draw box. So it's really just sort of one of those share the love uh, sort of things. And we're hoping that people tell their their friends and neighbors how great the library is and, and use this opportunity to um, pass that along. I mean, I think the, the public library is one of those things that really does well from our champions, right? So um, people who love using the library, they will tell their friends. And this is just an opportunity to remind them to do that. The prizes that are, are in the mix for this are really great. So we've got a Chromebook. Uh, we've got an Amazon gift card and we've got some BPL swag bags so you can rock your library swag. And it's just, um, oh, we've also got the, the uh, My Own Library card. So oh, okay. it's just for kids, but we've got a lot of adults who are getting in on it too. So they're um, these new library cards that are meant for kids with a really cute design on them. And um, there's a whole deal where you come in and you, you you know you get your first library card and you take a picture. We've got a little um, like photo like booth photo kind of booth yeah. kind of thing, and and people get are getting really excited about doing that as well. So if you don't have a library card yet, or you do, or you need to renew, um, this is a great opportunity to to come in and just to share the library love. Yeah, yeah. how did it all come to be? Who came kind of came up with the idea, or were you all just like, hey, let's just get outreach going? With this? Yeah, so um, all year we've really been encouraging uh, library memberships. So we've got, uh, you know, other campaigns that are running with our staff doing outreach and, and asking people to sign up for library cards. And this was just one of those great marketing initiatives that they came up with. And it's kind of like, you know, you get the HelloFresh box and, you know, you pass that along to your, your friends. It's kind of like that same idea, only this is free. There you <laughs> so, go. Yeah. We were just mentioning off air that uh, it's around 10,000 new uh, members have joined up. Maybe touch on that. Like, that's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. We're um, just this week, I think we hit 10,022 or something like that. And I'm sure since uh, that number, we've we've got even more. So we did set a, a bit of a target uh, as a management team for our staff to hit that 10,000 new member mark. And it's just, you know, you get that little bit of encouragement to say, hey, do you have a library card? Does your daughter, does your son, you know, that sort of thing. And it's only October. So the staff are really excited. They've hit their target. 
And um, I know that they're just going to surpass that by the time we get to the end of the year. I think outreach has really been a big factor in those that increase in, in memberships, but also just getting the word out there. The library can often be one of those places where people come um, because they're used to it. And we may be missing a whole segment of people who just don't know what we have to offer or they came as a kid and they don't realize that the library is so different now than it was from from when they were a kid they don't realize how much we have that could benefit them yeah you were saying before last time we talked they have fishing rods there's so much to offer other than just books yeah absolutely so our library of things has gotten to be really popular we're adding more things all the time so you know we've got telescopes we've got kits uh for people who are experiencing dementia. We've got all kinds of games. You know, there's tennis rackets and pickleball rackets and every, like all this stuff, um, musical instruments that people can borrow. Uh, so it isn't just about um, the books and, and DVDs and, and that sort of thing anymore. And that sort of stuff is bringing more people in who may not have come in in a while. Yeah, definitely. It really yeah. seems like a, a community base. So there is a new report that just came out from the Canadian Urban Institute and the Canadian Urban Libraries Council. Okay. Uh, it's called Overdue. So it's it's a little bit of an advocacy report and just sort of one of those a call to action. Okay. So basically saying, you know, libraries, they're funded provincially, but the largest portion of our funding comes from the municipal government and it's just not sustainable anymore, right? So we're drawing our funding from uh, the tax base and it's the tax base is basically at its max. It's at its limit. And so this report is really interesting because it shows this is a scenario that will happen if libraries are under supported. And this is what will happen if libraries are supported the way that they should be and by all levels of government. So the report calls on on higher levels of government as well to recognize that libraries are a piece of critical infrastructure and that it, libraries are crucial to community resilience and the economy and just like basically pushing all of that. And so the report just came out on the 4th. And so we're all really interested to see where this goes. So there's letter writing that's that's going on to our MPs and MPPs, as well as the Canadian Urban Institute is really pushing the report through their channels. I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've probably watched their stuff. That They've got lots of great content about uh, city building and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, during Canadian Library Month is a great time for this report to come out because it is... It is just really highlighting what Canadian Library Month is all about, which is is making sure that people know about their public library and the crucial piece of infrastructure that it is in the in the social um, and cultural fabric of a community. So how long do people have to refer others in the contest? So we're doing the draws uh, the week of November 13th. Um, so, you know, get them in in the month of October and um, and then you can see if you've won the prizes. Awesome. And then uh, where can people uh, find more info about the contest? Where do they go to? Yeah, so you can visit our website. So you can go to barrylibrary.ca. Um, and this is also all over our social media channels. Uh, so you can take a look and, and read more about sharing the library love. Long weekend behind us, a busy weekend for police uh, in the city and for the OPP as well on provincial highways. Operation Impact, as they were trying to uh, impress upon drivers that safety is of utmost concern. Peter Leon has joined us from Barrie Police. Last week, you put out a message early on saying the seasons have changed. It's going to be raining. There's going to be leaves on the ground. The roads are going to be slippery. Please be careful. But 
your your service was busy on the weekend with collisions. It was steady. Uh, certainly, uh, the the weather conditions uh, as of Sunday changed very very quickly overnight with the, with the rain. Uh, roads were slippery in places. There was ponding and pooling uh, as a result of just the leaves on the ground being carried down and uh, blocking the uh, the sewer grates. Uh, these are things that people need to be aware of at this time of year. Um, and we know uh, this past weekend, just to the north of us, there was that white stuff falling and accumulating, not in huge quantities, but we know that when it comes, it's going to come fast and furious. So now's the time to start planning ahead, getting yourself ready and your vehicle ready for what uh, winter brings us. Add to this past weekend, a holiday weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, a lot of people rushing around in all of that rain and wind uh, on uh, Saturday and, and Sunday in particular getting all the things they needed for their their holiday feast and and uh, not paying a lot of attention maybe to what they should have been paying attention to. I think people have forgotten uh, in in the busyness of 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 the world and and their their lives as we know it and and Danny couldn't have said it any better. Uh, it's the simple things. You know, our our vehicles do a lot for us when we get behind the wheel and literally push that button and off we go. Uh, they let us know in the mirror when there's a vehicle approaching. Uh, they let you know when you're exiting the lane that you're in and or, or drifting out. And, and uh, all these corrective measures are in place. But we have to get back to the simple courtesies of safe driving. You know, shoulder checking, checking your mirrors, putting on your signal. People are in a rush to get somewhere and they're driving down the middle of the road. There, there, there's no respect out there for the Highway Traffic Act and, and, and safe operation. People need to remember, operating motor vehicle here in the province of Ontario, it's a privilege. It's not a right, and it's a privilege that can be taken away. One of the things that I remember from driving school all those years ago, you mentioned a few of them, the, the one big one I always remembered was getting the big picture, looking way down the road, not at the just over top of the, the front of your car, but down the road and gauging what's happening, gauging a stale light, gauging uh, people slowing down or, or changing lanes. And I don't think people are doing that. They're all in this, uh, I got to get there now, I got to get there as quickly as I can, damn everybody else. Well, I think people are distracted. And it's not because of devices. We know that they are still using devices. We certainly see that when we're out driving, uh, taking care of our own business. Um, but people are distracted by everything else that's happening around them. The beautiful colors in the trees get your attention. You see somebody off to the side taking a picture, your attention's drawn there. If you're traveling out inside the city, it, it could be an animal that, that you're not used to seeing, a deer on the side of the road. Uh, it's about scanning, looking, as you said, down the road, getting that proper eye lead is the term that uh, I think they use in driver training. I remember my days in police college, uh, getting that big picture and being able to predict that, you know, that vehicle that you see sitting on the side of the road waiting to enter from a, from a side road may just all of a sudden think they've got the time to do it. And guess what? You're the vehicle that they're going to cut off in, in front of. So again, it's about covering the brake. It's about reducing speed and driving at the posted speed limit anywhere inside the city, outside the city. And again, being able to have total and full control of your motor vehicle at all times. The other thing I remember is keep a cushion around you. So that means not getting too close to the car in front of you, making sure the person behind you is not sneaking up, mm -hmm. and then making sure side to side you've, you've got room to maneuver if you have to. It gives you an, an out if you need it, left or right. Uh, it also provides you that opportunity to, to stop safely if all of a sudden things happen in front of you 
that are unexpected. And again, uh, it's it's about keeping your eyes open, focused on what you need to do. Uh, right now uh, in the city, there's a lot of ongoing construction projects. There's also the day-to-day projects that are taking place as a result of infrastructure repairs that are immediate, like a water main repair, those type of things. And, and those are all impacting our destination from point A to point B. What could have been a 10 or 15-minute drive may take 25 to 30 minutes. Give yourself extra time. You know, we say that during periods of inclement weather. Well, you know what? We're dealing with periods of ongoing construction, and that will prepare us so that the roads that we have are good to drive on in the winter months. So let's let those workers do their job, do their job safely because they're out there doing what they're doing for us and our and make our streets here in Barry safer. Um, but at the same time, give yourself extra time to get to your appointment. Don't put yourself in a situation where you have to become one of those aggressive drivers. We talk about changing seasons and changing behaviors as a result of those seasons, but our, our behaviors probably need to change every time we get behind the wheel because you don't know what conditions are going to be. You talked about the ponding, the pooling from, from the rain, and I saw it in a couple of places. Big Bay Point Road near Wellham Road was one of them uh, last week. That can happen any time of year. Leaves any time of year. The conditions can change so radically uh, from one minute to the next. So driving behaviors have to adjust on a continual basis. It does. And and I think, you know, uh, we have the ability to utilize technology. Um, a lot of people who have uh, different apps on their phones have the ability to, to look ahead and see if there's uh, traffic delays, if there's a road closure, anything like that. If you have uh, such a device, take a few minutes before you leave your house Uh, give yourself that opportunity to kind of see the route that you're planning on taking. If there are any uh, distractions along the way that may impede you uh, from getting to where you need to go without having to slow down for for a construction or a motor vehicle collision or even a complete road closure. Key there, the word before you leave, not while you're driving. No, you need to keep your attention on the road. That's where it needs to be. A lot of different things that that can be happening. Do you know off the top of your head what the biggest cause of collisions in Barrie is? Well, I I think, uh, you know, we're we're certainly still seeing uh, people utilizing intersections inappropriately. And, you know, uh, when you are stopped to make a turn uh, at an intersection, you need to be able to complete that turn in full and proper safety. Uh, people are getting themselves caught in intersections and then it's, it's causing a traffic jam. They're panicking. Uh, you know, if, if you come up to a stale green light and you're planning to turn left or right, um, stay behind that white line. Uh, if all of a sudden the route clears and it's still a green light and you can go, then it's safe to go. You've made that determination. Do so. Um, but if you're not stuck in the middle of the intersection, you're not going to be one of these hazards that people now feel they have to maneuver around. And unfortunately, some of our uh, drivers here in the city, we've certainly seen them. They're auditioning for the, you know, the Indy 500. Uh, as soon as that light goes green, their foot is on the gas and they're moving. And if they have to go around you, they will. That could also result in a collision because you know you have to clear that intersection. Peter Leon, Barry Police, always uh, good to have you in. Thanks for the advice. I suspect we'll be talking to you about this kind of thing in the coming weeks and months. I suspect so. And uh, to the good people of the city of Barry, uh, please take the time. Drive safe. 
Let's make sure we can all get to where we're going. And most importantly, let's remember road safety is a shared responsibility there. Now I've said it twice. Uh, let's respect other people that are using the roads with us. And uh, let's make sure that everyone gets to where they need to go. Lights, camera, action. The Barrie Film Festival begins October 13th, the 26th Barrie Film Festival. Barrie 360's Ian McLennan gets a behind-the-scenes look and runs down the playbill with festival director Claudine Benoit. Give us a brief history of its roots. Well, it, 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 like many organizations, it starts with passion. And it started with a small group of people that just loved movies and wanted to uh, bring different films to Barrie. And it started as a small project at the McLaren Arts Centre and then eventually uh, grew to what it is today as an independent not-for-profit. Are there specific themes around the festival or is it a whole genre of different types of movies? I would say it's all different types of movies, uh, everything from documentary to features and all different genres. So it's definitely something for everyone. Uh, It's October 13th to the 22nd at Galaxy Cinemas in the south end of Barrie. And how are the films selected? And you did mention earlier to, to me that uh, some of the films that were screened at the Toronto International Film Festival have found their way or will find their way north. Yes. So uh, we, have a, we have a programming committee and, uh, of course, composed of film lovers. And uh, we attend as, as many things as we can. Uh, we also have great relationships with uh, Canadian distributors. So uh, we watch a lot of movies. And, and uh, the International Short Film Festival, um, kind of a secondary where the, there's a lot of public engagement because they have an opportunity to vote on the best films. And I guess they're local, national, and international. Tell us a little bit about that. So the short film competition has been around for, gosh, it's got to be close to 20 years or more. And uh, it's, it, it's a wonderful program because we, we get to see the work of a lot of emerging filmmakers. Um, and all in one night, you'll get a chance to see films from high school to regional to international all in one night. And a lot of filmmakers attend. And it's a high-energy screening. Everybody is excited to see their movies on the big screen and see them together. And uh, we also have a filmmaker's party where we present the awards. And people get to choose their favorite film that night, too. So you get to be part of that. And is there an award presentation that evening, too, is there? Yes. So that'll be at the uh, Canadian Brew House. Uh, We're hoping for the rooftop if the weather cooperates. Um, But yes, the, the awards will be right after the screening at the Galaxy. We go over to the venue and talk now I was okay. Well, I was looking through the uh, the list of films, and one that uh, stood out just because I guess it brought the kid back in me and down memory lane. Uh, Mister Dress Up: The Magic of Make Believe. Tell us a bit about that. So that's a lovely film. Uh, we had the opportunity, myself and a couple of uh, people, in my programming committee, had the opportunity to see it at TIFF, and uh, you know, just to just to to see a childhood. Um, uh, I guess hero in a way, uh, you know, was was great for us. It connected with everyone that saw it, and uh, you know, you learned a lot about him, but also that he was the way he was on the show. Much like we uh, we had the Mister Rogers film a few years ago. Well, well, now here's the Canadian content, the Canadian version. Our our Mister Rogers. Yes, and they were connected. They were good yep. friends, and yes. actually, he was instrumental in in uh, getting getting Ernie to come. 
Now, one uh, one film, uh, Unloved, Huronia's uh, Forgotten Children, right in her backyard. I, I imagine a very hard-hitting film, um, a documentary. And, of course, this focuses on the Huronia Regional Center. And uh, the director, the the writer of this, uh, touches on uh, her half-brothers, Alfie and Lewis, who were institutionalized there in the 1950s. Uh, you've, have you seen the film? and? I haven't seen it yet, yeah. but uh, people on my programming committee saw it, and uh, they said we must show this film. And uh, so we're excited that uh, the director, Barry Cohen, is coming to Barry, and also some of the survivors are going to come. And uh, there's a couple of films. Uh, I, um, we talked uh, before we started rolling here. A lot of healing, um, uh, stolen memories, uh, and the nature of healing. Uh, let's touch on, on, on stolen memories. Yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, we're very excited to. That's for our directors' brunch, which will be at Liberty Liberty North on October twenty second, um, and we're going to feature. He's a he's Vancouver based uh, director, and uh, had a good connection with um, somebody who coordinates that that program, and so we're really excited that he can come and talk about the film. Uh, very uh, challenging uh, story matter, but it's done as like a detective story. Uh, where we we look into some objects that were found at a garage sale, and uh, talks about the Japanese internment and uh, the nature of healing, and of course, timely too is um, the focus on residential schools. Exactly, um, powerful film. Uh, very honored to have uh, not not only the director Faith Howe, who is a local person. Um, this is her first uh, feature documentary. She also entered our shorts many years ago and won awards. Uh, so it's nice to bring her back home and feature her film. But also she's she has invited four to five of the elders that have survived the Mohawk Institute, Institute and uh, they'll be here to, to talk about the film and their experiences. And if you like music and who doesn't, Drop the Needle Institution in Toronto opened up a lot of doors in terms of uh, uh, the different types of music. Just a bit of background on, I mean, if you love music, you're going to love this film. For sure. And it's the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Yep. Um, and so we were approached uh, by a local group to show this film. Um, and they're going to be uh, showing their uh, music video called Community uh, as part of the screening. So that's really fun. They're called the Schoolum Crew. Uh, Drop the Needle, yes, set in Toronto, a very important uh, record store that that affected uh, the hip-hop uh, movement here in, in Play Canada. Play the record, I guess. Uh, Pardon me? Play the record? Play the record. Record, yeah. Yeah, and so he's the subject of the film is going to be here and also the director, so nice. it's, it should be fabulous. And there's going to be uh, pop-up parties, too. What's that about? That's really about having a party in an unexpected space. And uh, so... Um, we love we love bringing people to to places that they don't expect for parties. So we will bringing in the food and the music, and uh, it'll be near the cinema, and uh, it'll be just something you'll talk about. Twenty six years is it challenging to meet expectations? Do you feel challenged by that sometimes, and not in a negative way, but you want to keep growing this festival? And uh, how do you? Uh, well, the festival's really focused on the films, so you know I feel that. Uh, we constantly have to be looking for the for the content um, because that's the stuff that people are coming to see and that's what they want to talk about and it brings in a lot of interesting guests. Uh, and, you know, so it's all about the experience. Um, 
you know, in coming out of the pandemic, you know, it's, it's wonderful to be able to bring some stuff back uh, in person. Um, but yeah, it is a challenge to, to always be thinking, should things be bigger and better and when to keep them the same? you know, to just to, to make sure that people get what they expect. From what I've heard and what I've seen myself, um, I think you get five stars even on Rotten Tomatoes with, with the work that your your board and everybody does. To, you know, very, it's a very commun- community-focused. Thank you very much for saying that. That means a lot. And if people want more information about the festival website and they can find out more about the films? Um, so they can find everything on the website, berryfilmfestival.ca. And I mean, it's the uh, most accessible festival, you know, uh, tickets, $10 for a film. Uh, so yeah, something to something for everybody. And, uh, you know, hope to see people out. What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began last summer, spoke recently with provincial liberal leadership candidate Nate Erskine-Smith, got tips from the CAA on how to keep thieves from stealing your car, and heard from a local early childhood educator who's written a book designed to get kids out of the structured environment we've crammed them into and bring out their imagination and creativity. You can get caught up and... Make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to what Barry's talking about through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, Jake Epstein on his play Boy Falls from the Sky and our weekly look at the Barry Colt season. Now this. Our community rocks. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling one 2 donate Our community rocks on Barry's Rock Station. Rock 95. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. We've all had dreams and desires, seen some of them through successfully, and had some of them leaving us feeling embarrassed or inferior. Actor Jake Epstein has had his fair share as his career has taken him from Degrassi to Broadway to Suits and more. He takes another chance, revisiting it all in his play Boy Falls from the Sky, coming to Five Points Theatre. He gives us a sneak peek through Barry 360's MJ. You are going to be coming to Barry as part of the Talk is Free Theatre with your show. And, um, but this is not a new show for you. It started running in Toronto uh, not too long, about a year, a year or two ago. That's right. I did the show uh, as part of the Mervish season at the Royal Alex Theatre about a year ago. Um, and that was after doing it at the Toronto Fringe Festival. Mervish uh, saw it, invited me to be part of their season, and... Now, a year later, I've been invited to get to perform it in some theaters around the country, so I'm very excited. So with this uh, show, Boy Falls from Sky, it's sort of like a your journey in the world of theater and how really grueling it can actually be. I mean, people know that television can be hard, but theater, it's, it's a different beast altogether. Well, my show... Is is really about life dealing with life's disappointments. Um, I uh, grew up with this very singular dream of being a Broadway performer. Um, my parents would take my sister and I to New York City every summer. That was our family vacation. We would see a Broadway show. I fell in love with 
performing in Broadway, and that was my goal my whole life. And my, my show is about me going after my childhood dream. And like you said, the, the realities of uh, show business, which is that it's uh, grueling. And the show kind of asks the question, what do you do when, when your dreams don't turn out the way you want them to? Um, what do you do when life is disappointing? And how do you move on from there? And that was sort of the question that uh, spurred me on to write the show. Not to, to give anything away, but what were sort of the, um, I guess, the disappointments <laughs> that, that you experienced <laughs> like to lead to the show? Yeah. What, what were some of like the big ones? Some of the things uh, I've dealt with in my career have been things like uh, horrible stage frights and uh, dealing with bad reviews, having to take steroid shots, getting badly injured, getting booed on stage, embarrassing myself in front of my heroes. Um, but one of the joys of doing and creating this show is that I took these moments that I, I never wanted to talk about with anyone um, because I was, you know, there was <laughs> there was some sh- maybe some shame and I wanted to protect the um, the image I feel like I had of this sort of local Canadian boy who who went to New York and and, and made good, um, but I got to to turn those disappointments into moments of comedy and entertainment, and that's sort of what I set out to do in the show was to take these things in my life that I found really disappointing and turn them on their head and uh, and create like a stand up comedy musical show. And not only has it been super fun and joyful to do, um, but it's really been healing for me to get to perform it and retell these stories in this in this way. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask you. Like, was it therapeutic, you know, after you have like a, a bit of a setback? I don't even know if you want to call it that because everything leads us to somewhere. But to have this sort of disappointment and then to get through it, it was sort yeah, of therapeutic? I mean, I was always taught as a young performer that that theater should never be therapy for you as an actor but certainly in this show there it's it's a it's a totally cathartic experience i mean when i first wrote the show and i performed it at the toronto fringe festival and this was just before covid um i'd never told these stories to my family or some of my closest friends and it was really scary um, but it was so relieving because the stories I discovered were not only really funny, um, but everyone I knew had their own stories of like disappointment <laughs> that they wanted to share with me right after. And it was this really um, a beautiful, like unifying experience that part of life is dealing with disappointments and success isn't linear. And it's just so relieving to laugh at the absurdity of life sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that's just what's made this, this show one of the highlights of my life to get to do. For those that aren't familiar, you were, I mean, you were Spider-Man. <laughs> you were Spider-Man was- on Spider-Man on Broadway. <laughs> I was Spider-Man, yes. Yeah, and I, I remember when, Sorry, it was, this show was announced, and then uh, sorry, but every week it felt like I was reading about a new accident that was happening. Um, and, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that you know, it, it was a huge challenge uh, to do uh, to do uh, turn off the dark. The 
uh, sort of horrible stories of people getting injured actually happened before I joined the cast. Ooh, dodged a bullet. Um, okay. <laughs> yes. That being said, I got badly injured doing Spider-Man. Um, and, you know, uh, without going into it, because I want people to see my show, but, you know, one of the... Um, one of the absurdities of doing that show, and it was my Broadway debut. It was a, it was a dream of mine to get to be on Broadway, and I and I was suddenly starring in this you know forty million dollar show, and you know I was literally on stage wearing like the Spider Man you know spandex, but underneath my costume I was like totally bandaged up, like my ankles and my wrist. And I was taking probably too much Advil and the sort of irony that underneath this image of Spider-Man, I was, I was really hurt. Wow. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, and, crazy. Uh, and how did your family feel like you had, you know, you had a really good run um, when you were on Degrassi and you decided to sort of just like, I'm going now, bye bye, I'm going to Broadway and I'm going to see how this works out. How did your family react to that? My family, uh, I really feel like I won the family lottery or something. My parents have been my biggest supporters um, my whole life. You know, they, they didn't... Um, I think one of the reasons that actually myself and my sister are both uh, actors, her name is Gabby Epstein. She's performed in Barry as well. Awesome. I think one of the reasons that we're both actors and still acting is because my parents never pushed us to do it and gave us every opportunity to stop. And when we were excited and wanting to dream about being actors, my parents, you know, were our <laughs> chauffeurs <laughs> and our shoulders to cry on when things didn't work out. And we're at every single opening night. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm, I know how lucky I am that, um, that my, uh, that my parents supported me through, yeah, a decision to, to leave Degrassi, to move to New York. Um, and I think there will be at, um, I, uh, they'll definitely be at opening night in Barrie, probably several shows <laughs> in Barrie is my guess. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, really heartwarming, um, that they, they want to keep coming to see this show in particular. It's really, it's really awesome. So boy falls from sky. Why, why that title? Boy falls from the sky. Uh, it's a it's a title that I love because it has a bunch of meanings. Um, it's the climactic song that I sang in Spider-Man, the musical on Broadway. And in the song, it sort of refers to the Icarus myth of, um, you know, Icarus flying too close to the sun and then melting his wings and falling. It's sort of like a Spider-Man metaphor for he's in peril. Um, but it sort of it takes on two meanings because, firstly, many people got injured and fell from the sky, literally doing Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and Sorry, it's bad to laugh. It's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Metaphor for what the show is about, which is dealing with life's disappointments, the idea of falling from the sky. Um, so, yeah, to me, it was a, a perfect title for this show. Boy Falls from the Sky opens tonight, October 12th, and runs through October 20th at Five Points Theatre, brought to you through Talk is Free Theatre. Just a single game for the Barry Colts last weekend, but still lots to talk about. Colts broadcaster and writer Gene Pereira checks in for his weekly chat with Will Conkin. 
Only one game for the Colts this past week. They got the overtime win against the Ice Dogs, uh, 7-6. Uh, Jacob Frasca with the winner. Gene, maybe uh, maybe talk about his performance. Yeah, I mean, obviously Jacob uh, coming back from uh, Toronto Maple Leafs camp is a big part of the uh, the Colts offense this year, and he's came through, and really him, Bo, Jasma, uh, you know, they had big games, the veterans as well as Ronick Jodwin, who had two goals, but uh, Frasca pots the overtime winner fairly quickly in the first minute, and, you know, it really was a, a bit of a disappointing finish for the, you know, I mean, obviously they saved the finish, but, uh, you know, they had a 6-3 lead kind of in control, and then uh, Niagara came and tied it in the third period. Marty Williamson wasn't too happy with the effort, but, uh, you know, he says, you look at the big picture, they're 3-1, and one, but certainly they could have been much better against Niagara. Yeah, are you concerned at all about them allowing those four goals? You know, it's, it's always something. It's early in the year, and I think a lot of these, you know, you tend to sometimes, uh, especially with younger players, you know, you, you read a bit, you, you look at a team like Niagara that's rebuilding, you think, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we got them, they're going to take the foot off the pedal here, and, you know, in OHL hockey, you can't do that because, uh, you know, over the years, you've seen lots of big leads evaporate really quickly, and it doesn't matter what team you're facing, and Niagara kind of proved that. You know, credit to the young team. I mean, uh, you know, they're a lot different than the Niagara team that we saw last year. There's just much more determination and grit on this Niagara team. I think they're much more talented. And, uh, you know, it's a bit of an early lesson here for the Colts that, you know, uh, the old cliche that hockey is a 60-minute game, they, they, they found that, unfortunately, Frasca uh, pulled it out in overtime for them. Uh, some cool news as well kind of going on. Uh, 18 Barry Colts alumni were on their uh, NHL club's opening night rosters. Uh, maybe touch on that as well. Yeah, you know, well, it's, it's always something great to see. I mean, obviously, this is what these kids are working towards. And, you know, you get to see them when they come as just young players and, you know, so much room uh, for development in, in their game. And, you know, they get to take it up to the, the, the NHL level, which is, you know, obviously a dream come true. And, you know, the Aaron was the Mark Shifley's, the Kevin LeBanks, and, you know, uh, just notably as well, I mean, lots of uh, players, Mackenzie Blackwood, I mean, it really speaks to the volumes as well, the Colts organization and developing these young guys and helping to get them to the next level. Uh, you know, you look at the NHL and all the former Colts that are playing there, it speaks to volumes, uh, you know, from the coaches in the past, from Dale Howard, Marty Williamson currently, and, you know, the development as well. But uh, I've known as well, Will, was, uh, you know, Mark Shifley signing a new contract, and, you know, you got to be happy for him. Him and Connor Hellebeck, the two teammates, uh, Winnipeg uh, teammates, not sure if they were going to get a deal done. And, uh, you know, to get it, uh, you know, I talked to Mark in the past. He's really enjoyed his time in Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, he's grown with the city. And, uh, you know, it's something we heard from Dale Howard, but that it really sticks to you after you've been there for a while. And I think it's happened to Mark Shifley as well. But it's great to see him kind of take that off the table, not have to be concerned about that, and uh, just to focus on hockey. Well, next up for the Colts, uh, they're on the road in Kitchener. A bit spooky. That's uh, Friday the 13th. Then they host Guelph on Saturday. Uh, looking forward to the games and uh, the write-ups. Thanks again, Gene. Thanks, Will. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian, MJ, and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical prowess, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com. Some of you can still access our Facebook page and on our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.